0: and our hope is that you would have a gospel-centered local church that you call home. Thanks again for listening. Hey, if you've got your Bibles, uh, I, I want to invite you to turn to John chapter 15, and and we're we're gonna jump we're gonna jump right in this morning, and, and I'm gonna pray in a moment, but I I, I want to dive in uh, John 15, uh, verse one, and then I'm gonna read the first part of verse five. Uh, so we'll call it John 15, 1 and then 5A. And then over the next three weeks, I'm going to be walking through John 15, 1 through 13. John 15, 1 and, and uh, verse 1 and verse 5a says this: I am the true vine. This is Jesus speaking. I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser or the gardener. And then verse 5 says, I am the vine, and you are the branches church it, it, it dawned on me as, as we set our vision for restoration for 2022 something we we do every year we set a unique vision for that year uh, last year was forged to follow Christ the year before that was focused and faithful uh, but in but as we set our vision for 2022 we we keyed in on a word that for many even in the church uh, I realize is, is maybe an unfamiliar word that probably needs some clarity, probably needs some, some fleshing out. But this, this word abide, we're, we're saying the vision for 2022 is all in to abide. This word abide in the Greek is the Greek word meno, and it means to remain, to stay, or to uh, reside To remain, to stay, or to reside, and in a sense, is to continue in a certain state, condition, or activity. Residence, for so many of us, is is such a a transient concept. When we think about residence, Uh, when I think about residence, before Steph and mine, before our seventh anniversary, we had had lived in six different uh, residences. Six different residences, uh, eleven hundred bucks road was our first residence. So Those four hundred dollar a month luxury apartments, I still re- they were not luxury. Uh, I still remember our first youth, uh, our, our first the first time we had our youth ministry leaders over while we were in a prayer circle in our living room. Uh, our our dog Aggie uh, snuck in the prayer circle, peed. Left, and then when we said amen, like we didn't know if the Holy Spirit had just marked his territory. Like we we had no clue what was going on. 1100 bucks to road. Uh, when uh, from there we, we moved to 401 Hearst Place, our first rent, rent rental home, uh, it was there uh, that I had the uh, NCAA March Madness talk with Stephanie. I sat her down on the couch and just said, Hey, sweetheart, if, if we're going to spend a lot of quality time together this month, it's going to be right here <laughs> on the couch watching basketball. And I'm happy to report that 17 years later, our marriage survived. Uh, survived that. That's good. Praise God for Stephanie's grace. Uh, then we, we, we bought our, our first home was for uh, La Paloma Court. Uh, Luke and Levi spent the first year of, of their lives uh, at La Paloma Court in our 1,100 square foot palace, uh, with an L-shaped backyard that was about the size of our old Nissan NV, uh, and uh, a carport, uh, because who who needs a garage when you got a sweet carport? Uh, and then we made the transition to H Town, uh, not yet another residence, a fourth residence. We we moved into 901 South Ripple Creek Drive. Uh, townhomes that were right across the street from the church where, where I, I was on staff and where I worked. Uh, our, our neighbor, Steve, Steve drove a, a really fancy uh, black BMW. He hardly ever left his place when he did. It was only for a few minutes at a time, usually at night. Uh, one night we saw Steve walking around outside just in nothing but wrapped up in his bed sheet. Uh, and, and so, church fam, I, I'm, I'm going to just keep it real. Steve sold drugs, okay, okay? <clears throat> raising, our, raising our one-year-olds, uh, so that was fun. From there, it was 2526 uh, Palo Pinto Drive, another rent house. From there, we moved to Grant Drive in Magnolia, uh, and I and I knew I knew we didn't belong in the woodlands when I tore down our our street Grant Drive in full tactical gear on foot with my high powered pellet gun hunting for the raccoon who had been ravaging our garage. Um, <laughs> prior to Brian, prior to Brian, changing residences was, was like a way is like a way of life uh, for me and Steph. The problem with most Christians is that we forget that our only residence is in Christ. Amen. I don't know if y'all hear me this morning. The problem is that too many Christians have forgotten that our only residence is in Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Biblically, church family, it's not, it's not Jesus who changes. No, he. He remains the same. Christian, it's it's you who gets caught up in the idolatry of this world. It's it's you who gets distracted by the noise of the world. And it's you who who trades gospel priorities for worldly ones. Worldly ones that shimmer and shine in your eyes and so you chase after them. And then you wonder wonder why you're not hearing God's voice. And And you wonder why Jesus seems so distant, but let me say this, he never left. He never left. God, God called you to continue in a certain state, condition, and activity to abide. God, God called you to take up your residence in the person of Jesus Christ. And so it's, it's us who move. It's us who move Je- like Jesus never does. It, in fact, he's there. And let me say this, I, I, I don't care where you are. He's there waiting with open arms. But often the only path, only way back is through repentance, a changed mindset, not, not just about sin, but also about the encumbrances, good and bad, that are tripping you up, keeping you from following him. The way pat- back is through a changed mindset about who Jesus is, what He came to accomplish, in your identity in Him. And so, I'm gonna I'll unpack restorations. Uh 2022 vision at the end of my message this morning. But before that, I just I want to unpack John 15 1 in the first part of verse 5. But first, I want to ask God to again show up in a powerful way this morning. One of our core values in restoration is expectant worship. So if y'all would, y'all bow your heads. I want to pray and have an expectation that God's going to move in power. Y'all pray with me, Lord. God, we uh, I just confess I, I don't have a thing to say that is going to impact or change somebody's eternity. But God, I believe that Your Word and Your Spirit can do the heavy lifting. And so, God, even now I pray, Lord, would you would you get me out of the way and would you speak and move in power? God, would we all today look in the mirror and look in the mirror of Your Word? And God, would You transform us from the inside out, Jesus? Pray that we would respond to you. Pray that we would abide in you. We pray this in your mighty name. Amen. 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 I want to. I want to unpack a little bit of context with John 15. It's important to understand the context. Jesus, see, uh, Jesus rolled out of the village of Bethany in John chapter 12 after raising his friend Lazarus from the dead, and he made, he, he made his way to Jerusalem. Jerusalem, which would be his final pit stop where he would lay down his life uh, on a bloody cross for the sin of the world. But John 13 finds Jesus at the table celebrating the Passover with His disciples. It was there where, where Jesus would wash their stinky, nasty, dirty feet. Even Judas's feet. Uh, and He would give them this example of sacrificial service. In, in John 14, Jesus would remind them that He was going away. That He was going to heaven to prepare a place for them. And there are these two pivotal statements of Jesus in John 14. First, in response to Thomas' question, Thomas asked the question, Man, God, Jesus, how can, we, how can we know the way? How can we know the way? And Jesus in John fourteen six, says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father but through me. And then another pivotal statement of Jesus comes in response to Philip's statement, where Philip, right after that, another one of his disciples said, Lord, uh, show us, show us the Father. And, and Jesus, in response to that, said to Philip, I, I, have I been with you so long and you still do not know me, Philip? In John 14, 9, he said, Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So how can you say, Show us the Father? All of this is paving the way and it's also providing the the, the foundation for a better understanding of John 15 and Jesus teaching about being the true vine. Matt Carter in the, the Christ centered exposition commentary said this, he said in John 15, Jesus is preparing His disciples. He's preparing His disciples for His upcoming death, resurrection, and His ascension into heaven. His final instructions primary, primarily relate to what it means to be His disciple. And so... Here in John 15, you have the, what, the, the seventh of, of what is called G, the I am statements of Jesus. And the significance of that is when, when God wanted to, to reveal himself to Moses and he revealed his name to Moses in Exodus, he said, I am. That's my name. I am. I am the self-existent one. I kind of started all this, right? So Jesus comes along and John and He says this in the Gospel of John in, in verse chapter 6, verse 35, He says, I am the bread of life. And then in 8, 12, John 8.12, He says, I am the light of the world. And then in John 10.9, He says, I am the gate. And then in... Ten eleven, he says, I am the good shepherd. Again, all of these I am statements. In eleven twenty five, he says, I am the resurrection and the life. In 14-6, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And then you get to chapter 15 and Jesus tells his disciples, I am the true vine. I am the true vine. Two points I want to make this morning, and they're, they're simple, but church, we have got to get a hold of them. The first is this, God God wants a relationship with you. God wants a relationship with you. I want you to look at your neighbor and tell him, God wants a relationship with you. That was weak sauce. I think we can do better. Look at your other neighbor tell him, hey, God wants a relationship with you. <laughs> there you go. Jesus, listen, Jesus utilize agricultural illustrations like like I do family and and sports analogies uh, often, okay? To my credit, I have dialed down the Houston Rockets illustrations now that they're terrible. Don't woo for that. (laughs) This this vine imagery was, was, not, was not new to the disciples, right? It was, it was, it was not new to Jesus' hearers uh, that day. I, these, these agricultural, understand something, these agricultural, this agricultural imagery and examples are, are, are seen throughout writing in antiquity. And, and throughout the Old Testament, this is where this is really drawn from, throughout the Old Testament, Israel... Israel, the nation of Israel, was said to be God's chosen vine. There's only one problem. D.L. Moody reminds us Israel uh, was God's unfaithful vine, right? It was God's unfaithful vine. We see this in Isaiah 5. We see it in Ezekiel 17. And then we see it again in Matthew 21, where God was expecting certain fruit, uh, and, and they never produced, despite God calling Israel and setting Israel apart. Listen, they church, they, they constantly fail to produce the fruit of the character of God. They, they fail to reflect God's perfect justice and God's perfect righteousness. They, they fail to reflect His steadfast love and His mercy. And, but then you enter Jesus. Enter Jesus. Jesus would become the fulfillment of what Israel and and we could never be. Amen? One commentator says it like this in this metaphorical description, the Father is still portrayed as the the gardener as He is in the Old Testament, but Jesus is now the vine. Not Israel. And the disciples, the followers of the way of God are pictured as branches. First Timothy 2.5 puts it like this. For there is one God. And there is one mediator between God and men. The man Christ Jesus. Amen. Christian this is revealing that, that the, only, the only path to right relationship with God is through Jesus. Which is exactly what he said in John 14.6. And so, it, admittedly, my, my first point is not just drawn from John 15.1 and in the first part of verse 5. It's, it's derived from the entire gospel narrative. Understand, the fact that Jesus is pointing to Himself as the vine and reminding His followers that we are the branches connected to Him, it's revealing a relational God. Amen? It's revealing a relational God who wants a relationship with you. Church, like this is this is non-negotiable. Like God, God, doesn't, God doesn't need to do anything else to, to prove his commitment to pursue people, or, or to prove that his his great love for us. Like all of scripture points to this. Amen. And, and in fact, ultimately, it was proven at the cross. And we talked about this when we walked through Acts 17. We we said this. We said, we are relational because we are we are created in the image of a relational God. This past weekend, Friday and Saturday, we we celebrated our, our twins' 13th birthdays uh, for Luke and Levi. Uh, in fact today is is their is their actual birthday and uh we we had a we had a weekend where we where we initiated them into manhood Sounds like hazing we didn't haze them so chill out uh, and so more like spiritual push ups uh, but but stephanie and i we we gave them gifts. We, we gave them a, a cross necklace with 1 Corinthians 16, 13-14 engraved on it. And it just says, Be watchful. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men. Be strong, but let all that you do be done in love. Stephanie gave them a letter Uh, I Friday afternoon, I took them for a walk and we we talked about some of the important value shifts that need to take place for them to move from boys to men. And I I took them out to their grandparents' cabin on Friday night and I had the, the influential men in their lives read letters over them and speak over them and bless them into manhood. And then we watched the most... PG thirteen manly movie I could think of. We watched the A team, uh, <laughs> mainly because Bravehearts was off the table because it's rated R. Um, so they're men, but they're not—they're not grown men just yet. So, church, here's my point: like I—I'm a broken, flawed, and fallible father. Just ask any of my kids, and and I like. I desperately want a relationship with my children. How much more does our Heavenly Father desire a relationship with us? How much more, how much more does the Heavenly Father want a relationship with you? And this gets, listen, this gets real simple, but it's something the church is losing sight of. Before we jump into all our religious practices and, and, and activities and duties, and before we jump into to, uh, doctrine and theology and we get geeked out on all the endless depths of scriptural truths, the first truth that, that you need to grasp is that just this simple truth that God is pursuing you. Amen? That He loves you. That He has proven His love for you. He wants you to know Him. He wants you to trust Him. To slow down and develop a relationship. Now listen, a relationship with Him through Jesus. When is the last time that you let that sink in? That the God of the universe wants a relationship with you. Let that sit for a minute. Second thing this morning is this: you have to see Jesus as the source of your life. You have to see Jesus as as the source of your life. I, I want you to look at your neighbor, tell him Jesus is the source. Look, look at your other neighbor, tell him Jesus is the source. Is the source. So, so what's what's interesting is. Jesus says in verse 1 that I, I am the true vine. And later he says, I'm the vine, you are the branches. But in verse 1 he says, I, I am the true vine. That, that, that word true in the Greek is this word alethinos. Ale, alethinos. I'm going to get it right. It means real, true, or genuine. And here's the significance of this statement. If he's the true vine, that that means they're false vines. Can can I get an amen on that? Amen. <laughs> There are false vines in this world. There, there are false sources of life. They will promise you life, but they cannot deliver. See, the world, like the world chases and goes after all these false vines. They're, they're reaching for the false vines of wealth and career and success and status and power and control and security and comfort and leisure. But what happens when the world looks in at the church and sees us chasing after the same false vines? Church family, we have got to see and understand that Jesus is the source of our life. We got to listen and say that we got to guard. We got to guard against something we can't we can't just strip down the, the Christian life to these like mechanical spiritual exercises. Yes, like we we lay hold of the spiritual disciplines. Like they are absolutely essential. They're absolutely essential. However, if we're not careful, here's what we do: we we take these outward forms, the, the vehicles for connecting with Jesus, and we lose sight of the most important part. Ready? We lose sight of the most important part. And it's this, you don't don't read your Bible, you don't don't pray and worship and confess uh, and live in Christian community and, and, and give and share Jesus to get life in Him. Christian, your life is already in Him. Like you're not you're not working for it. Like if Jesus has saved you, you're not like trying to get there so I, I got to do all the things. No, you already have life in him. The reason, the reason you should be all in on these spiritual practices it, is because it's those things that shake off the lies of this world and all the false vines that are trying to attach you to you and getting you to attach to them. You got to be daily reminded of the true vine. Listen, Christian, a vine that you already have access to, a vine that you're already to which you're already connected. John six sixty three. Jesus said, "It's the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are Spirit and life." So listen. Abiding, abiding in Christ. You like can't. It can't be. Uh, Cedric talked about this a little bit ago. It, it's not like a New Year's resolution, right? It's not a New Year's resolution, church. I like. I know this is weird, uh, but I but I think about these extreme scenarios. Like I, I don't know if other dudes are like this. Like, what would I do? Uh, and, and so, for example, like you know, I got a game plan. If the car, you know, if the car goes off the road uh, and and I'm submerged in water and I'm going uh, going under, and the the vehicle is filling up and uh, with water. But but here here's what I would not do. Right here's what I would not do if that's me and I'm and I'm going under and and, and I can't get out and if a rescuer comes down and 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 offers me some type of underwater breathing apparatus like he he, if they have oxygen on hand I'm not I'm not gonna consider making a resolution to breathe oxygen right like let me you know what like I I don't know let me let me pray about this right I'm not going to think about making a resolution to breathe oxygen. No, like, I need oxygen to live. Like, oxygen is not optional. Church, we've got to quit living like Jesus is still optional. And I know, I know it's New Year's uh, resolution time and we're all. Getting resolved to do stuff and to, to work harder, amen, to be more fit, amen, to eat healthier, amen, to to bring up that 2.25. Amen. <laughs> but Christian, Jesus is not your resolution, he is your reality. Let me say that again. Jesus is not your resolution. He is your reality. Either you recognize that He is the source of your life, your existence, your purpose, your passion, your relationships, your work, your joy, your hope, your faith, or or you're going to keep trying to tap into all these false vines and then you wonder why you're so dissatisfied and disillusioned. Jesus will not be your means to some other end. Let me say that again. Jesus will not be your means to some other end. He is the end. Actually, he he says he's the beginning and the end. And church, we've got to stop sprinkling Jesus on our lives and realize that Jesus is our life. The restoration, our our unique vision for 2022 is, is to be all in, to abide and, and, and I'll go in reverse order here, but there, there are two aspects of this vision. The, the first is abide. That's what John 15 is all about. right? To, 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 to take up this call to take up residence in Jesus. To understand that, that life is about a relationship with Jesus. It's about finding the source of your life in Him. And, and the second aspect aspect is is to be all in not not one foot in and one foot out not a half-hearted kind of committed semi kind of a, a devotion but a complete head heart and habits surrender to your identity in jesus christ christian and so here's the call one is is to cultivate the relationship that's number one cultivate the relationship and the second call is, is to commit to rest. One is to cultivate the relationship. Two is to commit to rest. Christian, what are you, what are you cultivating right now? Think about it. When, when, you, when you stand before God... When you stand before God and you give an account of your life knowing full well that the main purpose of your life was to love God, to love others, and make disciples of Jesus, how will that accounting go? Will, will God say will God say well done? Or, or will He say, uh, well, you did a ton. It, it just wasn't for me. It wasn't for my glory. It wasn't wasn't for the sake of the Gospel. Church, let's, let's quit playing games. If we want revival, I mean, we've got to abide. We don't get to just call down revival like God's going to make it happen at our beck and call. We've got to abide in Him. First part of Psalm 46.1 says, be still and know that I am God. See, th- th- like there's no shortcut. Christian, are, are, you, are you living from a place of, of soul rest? Are you living from a place of soul rest? Be still and know that I am God. So, so what are you what are you doing to, to dial down the noise of culture? What, like what are you willing to do to, to unplug so so that so that you can press in to experience the presence and the power of a relationship with Jesus? I, I'll close with this and then we're and then we're done this morning. I'll close with this. George Barna research last year. Came out. I think back in, in the late spring, early summer, uh, they 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 indicated that that Barna indicated there that there is a seismic shift. There is a seismic shift taking place in our country away from any sort of biblical worldview. And here here here's here's what I mean by that. In 1991, well over 30 years ago, 12 percent of the U.S. population didn't believe or or, or know if God exists. 12%. Three decades later, 2021, that number is at 34%. But listen, among millennials, 43% of millennials don't believe or know if God exists. And I guarantee you that that number is much higher among Gen Z. Like, church, we like we need to connect the dots. There is a direct correlation between the frustration and the angst and the, the despair and the hopelessness of our culture and, and our departure from believing that there is not only a God who exists, but a God who made us to exist for Him. Restoration family, like, we've... We've got to be all in to abide because the world needs hope right now. Amen? I don't know if y'all are hearing me. The world needs hope. Amen? And Jesus Christ is the hope of the world. He is our hope. But you can't microwave a relationship with Jesus. Man, that that deals like a slow roast. Amen? Amen? It's like a crock pot. The world knows. The world knows when we're faking it. That's why so often the world isn't looking to the church for answers. So let's let's stop pointing the finger out there and let's look within. Let's let's look in the mirror. And are you are you all in to abide in Jesus? Like hear, hear my heart. Like I love I love you church fam, but some of y'all need to get off the fence. People's souls And eternities are at stake. And so the time is now. And and, and last thing, and I'm done. It's not, listen, it is not about blazing some new path. It is about rediscovering an ancient and narrow path. The one that runs through Christ. Only Christ. Y'all pray with me this morning.